Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. We are back. We have a very special guest uh, with us today. Um, comic book legend, uh, creator of Madman. He is currently the artist on uh, FF. Um, Michael Allred, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for the, the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely true. I mean, it's... You know, I've come to your work really as of late, and uh, I've gone kind of crazy for it. You can ask these guys yeah. here. Um, so it's been – it's a treat to really get to talk to you. Um, I kind of start out asking every guest for the first time, like, what's kind of your origin story? How would you get started in this business? Oh, wow. Um, well, if I would known it could have been a, my business, I would have taken a shot a long time before I did. But I had no – I mean – my idea of a professional comic book artist was the Marvel bullpen. And it seemed like it was by invitation only. And it, it was in one big room in New York city. I didn't know how to get in that big room. <laughs> so I, I, I just drew for fun and, um, went off on a, another career as a broadcaster and, um, starting out as a disc jockey and then a TV reporter and eventually teaching television production at the air force Academy and then uh, in Colorado Springs, I met Steve Siegel, my my first friend who was a comic book professional. He he's now uh, probably best known for co-creating um, Ben Ten, but uh, back then he had just released his first comic, and um, he I guess he liked how I drew and just encouraged me. And another friend, Charlie Custis dumped his comic book collection on me and said, here, read this, 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 and this. And it just lit me up. And this was like the mid-80s. And then, uh, so my kind of modest habit in art, uh, and at that time I was mostly sculpting, um, I just, a fire was lit under me, and I just um, really absorbed the entire history of the comic book art form and um, just continued to do it for fun, but with this, this new passion and had found that I had done about a hundred pages of, of stuff and thought, well, maybe I should send this out. <laughs> and this, and this, if you were going to comic book shops at the time, and also at that time, I didn't know there were comic book shops. Um, I, th- I thought you got comics at the drugstore, you know, and, um, but with this n- new education that was dropped on me through Steve and Charlie, I discovered that there were independent comic book companies and, 
and there were magazines about comic books, you know, the Comics Journal and the Amazing Heroes, and and then there were addresses that you could send this yeah. stuff to, and so I did, and and um, well, long story short, my my hobby became a career. Wow, I mean, how'd you get inspiration to for uh, for Madman? Oh, for Madman, that mostly um, my kids were um, getting old enough to pay attention to what I was doing and would bring their friends over. And and the early stuff that I was doing was very esoteric and, and odd, you know, dead air and graphic music and that sort of thing. And um, I, through their eyes, remembered what I loved as a kid, and that was primarily, you know, costumed adventurers. And, and I wanted to do something that they could enjoy, too. And so I took my favorite character at the time, which was Frank Einstein, who was, you know, my version of the Frankenstein monster, um, but with a big heart. Who, you know, if you look at the original Boris Karloff, Boris Karloff Frankenstein, there, there's kind of a soul there, and um, which I've never seen in, you know, a Frankenstein, Frankenstein's creature since. But. Um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to kind of build out his intellect, and there was uh, a, a movie on TV called Frankenstein: The True Story that had a very soulful um, creature, and um, Jane Seymour was in it. She was actually the uh, the bride. Is that the Seymour Michael creature. Saracen one? Yes. 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 Okay, I remember that one. Yes, that I, was great. I saw that when I was a little kid, and it just stuck with me. And um, and uh, anyway. I, I so with this character being my favorite so far and having this renewed desire to create my own costumed adventurer I just threw a costume on Frank Einstein <laughs> 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 it was it was just that simple and he originally was going to be called the spook and that's why the early costume has suggestions of a skeleton costume with the the hints mm. of ribs on the side and the crack of the skull and the head and and um, he just kind of developed a life on his own. And when we went to color, he became more colorful. Wow. Okay. So um, obviously, um, your style is a big part of, of of what makes you who you are. And we had a question from a listener about that, right, Stephanie? Yeah. Um, Robert Gall, uh, one of our really uh, interactive listeners, he wanted to know. Um, he says you have a very unique pop art style. And I want to know how you found that style and who your influences are. Huh. You know, it's... Laura and I talk about that all the time, where this whole pop art thing came from. I mean, frankly, we embrace it, and um, we're big fans of art in general. If you go to any MoMA, or, um, it, you, you'll see very strange and unique works of expression. And the pop artists of the 60s... Um, particularly Roy Lichtenstein and Andy Warhol, literally took from comic books. They would yeah. pull panels from comic books, blow them up on canvas, and sell them for thousands and thousands of dollars. But through that, they, did, they, they kind of took things from the form that I wanted to take back, and, and uh, like the, the dot patterns and that sort of thing. And, um, and also the... Uh, I, I have a... I'm not completely colorblind, but I'm I'm what's called red green colorblind, which 
makes it difficult for me to tell some colors apart, you know, purples and blues. And I can, I totally appreciate colors. I, I'm a, I love Technicolor films. And um, Laura, fortunately, has a big affection for, you know, the, the, the kind of simple flat colors. But then it's the subtleties that she puts on top of that that I think is her secret that, that makes her stuff so unique. And, and, and that definitely um, carries on through that. What people, I think, traditionally think of as uh, the layman idea of what a comic book is, that four-color pop bang in your face kind of thing um and i so we embrace that description but at the same time we we would like to think that people can see deeper the subtleties in, in what we're trying to do with our stuff well it obviously is working i mean laura won the eisner for best colorist this past year right yeah i mean seven time lucky i i don't i think she was nominated <laughs> seven times and Finally, uh, she she deserved to win it and did. So that was really exciting. All of our friends were there, and you know, buddies like Darwin Cook and Craig Thompson and Jimmy Rich. And so it, it was just a great night. That's awesome. Um, one of our other listeners, uh, Rich Wyman, he wants to know what's it like to work with uh, Laura on, uh, well, comics. Ah, uh, the best. I I mean, well. What artists wouldn't want the best colors in the business, you know, right within fingertips, you know, <laughs> and she's, I can reach out and there she is and she's sweet and she's gorgeous. And so it's, it's, it's heaven. <laughs> Earn you some points. <laughs> now, knowing she's going to color, um, does it affect how you lay out the pages themselves? Which is just such great different palettes for each of the uh, sequences in FF here. Does that affect the way you draw it out yourself to start with? Uh, not really. Um, I, I just go in. I'm, I'm more concerned with pacing and com uh, you know composition. I, I want the reader's eye to go to the right spot, and then um, I have full confidence that Laura's going to do the same thing. You know, pull the eye where it needs to be, and and um, it's all about storytelling and and. Early on, I would spend a lot of time, you know, trying to get across the lore what my sensibilities are, were, what I, I, I like it like this, oh, I, I, I like this, like I, I'd show her, you know, Mobius uh, strips, or, you know, um, Mobius is one of my favorite artists, or, or old uh, Alex Toth comics, or... I love Alex Toth, yeah. Uh, obviously, Jack Kirby, and Bruno Premiani, and... And then um, also like the covers to Love and Rockets, which is a huge influence on me, and and Dan Klaus's comic books, you know, Eight Ball and and everything that followed there. Charles Burns, all of these artists have uh, similar sensibilities, where they started with very you know, simple, pure um, black colors, but then will have subtle tones built on top of that. And uh, or with Mobius, who would get very complex at times. It, it, he, he is probably the artist of my influences that runs the biggest scope of styles. And he can do, some, you'll see some of his strips where they're just very simple and pure and others which are very rich and detailed um, and airbrushed. And um, so it's, it, it, 
there's no single style that uh, influences either of us. We're, but I think what ultimately feels right for our stuff, um, kind of, it's that mixture of our influences and then what's uniquely us that uh, you know makes what ends up on the page. Yeah, it's very singular. Yeah, absolutely. It is very singular. Uh, a funny thing, uh, my first ever, the first time I ever knew your name or heard of you was watching Chasing Amy um, oh. <laughs> and your appearance in that. And obviously you did the, uh, you drew the opening credits um, yeah. for that. Uh, what was it like, that experience? I mean, did you, did you work with Kevin Smith directly? Um, you know, just wanted to hear what that experience was like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I met Kevin and his uh, producing partner Scott Mosier very sh shortly after Clerks um, so he was still relatively unknown and definitely in the comic business he hadn't done any comics or anything and um, I've always had a great eye for faces not not so much for names um, but uh, I'll forget my own kids names sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but faces was like um, uh, oh that, uh, that's the guy from Clerks, you know, it's like, oh, hey, I, you know, I does a movie, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it was at Comic-Con, he, he and Scott were just there, and they recognized me happily enough, and um, wanted to talk to me, and were starting to put together Mall Rats, which had a, a lot of, uh, you know, comic book references in it, and also had an opening credit sequence with mm -hmm. comics, and wanted me to make a comic book cover for them for that. And so I think I was the first person to ever draw um, Jay and Silent Bob and that they saw, and uh, which is also largely why they then um, asked me to, you know, do all the stuff for Chasing Amy. I did all the artwork that Jason Lee and Ben Affleck, their characters, drew, and then ended up um, created the Blood Men and Chronic costumes for mm -hmm. them. So. It, it was just, you know, we hit it off, and and I was just kind of first through the gate. Um, of course, Kevin has way more comic book friends now than he did then. <laughs> but, um, I just love that he's he's still heavy into comics and promotes it, and that he's used his success to, you know, throw a spotlight on the art form because that's important to me. Yeah, absolutely. Bob, you want a question there? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's an FF question, uh, if you don't mind, Michael. Um, I've been a fan of the Fantastic Four since issue five, way back in 62. And it's obvious wow. from, yeah, well, I'm really old. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, obvious, it's obvious from uh, this first issue that you and Matt have definitely done your homework and looking back on, on the old issues. And I was just wondering, do you have a favorite uh, Fantastic Four story art? Is, or is there a character from back then you'd like to draw? I'd love to see you do Thundra, for instance. Oh man, I I the the Jack Kirby Fantastic Fours are like the holy grail for me. me too, except man. in this case, I I have them. <laughs> it doesn't elude me like the holy grail. But um, I Touchstone would be a better description. Where I'm just constantly revisiting those books, and particularly I think it's around issue 46 that it just it just kicks in in this amazing way. I mean, they're all mm -hmm. gems, but something magic happened uh, around the time. And he uh, they, he and Stanley had introduced Medusa a few issues before, but when they introduced the concept of the Inhumans, yep. um, it, wow, it just, 
became this beautiful, exciting. It's like those two guys, their imaginations just went off. And then, of course, the uh, uh, Galactus trilogy, 48-49-50, introduces the Silver Surfer. And, oh, man, I mean. So I, I love that stuff. So here I here I'm in I'm literally working in the Baxter building. Dragon Man's there, Medusa's there. I mean, this is just uh, it's. I, I just feel like I'm in this incredibly wonderful place. That I'm very grateful for. I, you know, I've, I'm really happy with the success that I've had with with my own creations, and. It's odd that this is really the first time that I've had a long-term commitment with other people, these, you know, other creations. It's it's bizarre. I mean, the only time I've worked uh, or had this kind of commitment with a major company was X-Force and then Ecstatics. But, you know, Peter and I created all those characters. So it's really strange that now at this point in my career that I finally get to play with these characters that I've loved my entire life. So um, it's just, uh, uh, this is one of the most thrilling times of my life. It really is on every level. Uh, it's just personally, I mean, with our family, every, so many good things are happening. I'm terrified of the horrible things. <laughs> that are really so it, it, it's just a really good time, and it's exactly where I want to be. And with, with Fraction, I mean, we we have so much in common, our, you know, love of film and 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 music and and um, you know he, he has an amazing singing voice and and uh, we just have a really great time personally. But he is one of my very favorite writers, and um, so to have a friend who's also somebody that you really want to work with, again the the you start counting your blessings and it becomes kind of embarrassing to talk about because it's just it's like wow do i am i really in this place right now it's 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 just great well it was it was on the page we we you could feel it yeah the styles mesh perfectly yes really indeed steve all right oh, well man I, you, oh. you guys you haven't seen anything yet <laughs> <laughs> nice um oh, we, i'll it, go on it just uh, every every time I get a script, it's, it's like, yeah, I get to draw this, and I get to draw that, and this is going to happen. And um, I am absolutely spending more time on a page by average than I ever have before. And there's no doubt about it, and it's pure joy. I'm not looking for the shortcuts. Um, you know, out of, I've become an efficiency expert o- over the years, and um, it's just every, everything I've learned has all you know coalesced for this this era, and uh, um, I just want it all to be on the page. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah. Um, speaking of music, uh, I've got some some music related. I have a two part question for you. Um, my real first introduction uh, to your work recently was uh, It Girl in the Atomics, and oh, cool. Yeah, it's oh, it's I, I'm loving it. One of the um, one of the things that we're informed about at the beginning of of this newest arc is that um, the band itself that was exposed to the alien spore, they're actually away on an intergalactic uh, tour. Is a band called yeah. the Atomics. 
Now, my right. question is, is that when you when you came up with the idea for the Atomics, what what music do you think they would sound like? What do they sound like to you when you created them? Oh, they would. There's no doubt they would sound like the gear. It'd be psychedelic space rock, you know, <laughs> influenced by, you know, Pink Floyd and nice and the Trogs and um, you know Beatles and Stones and Kinks and Matahupo and David Bowie. I was gonna say a little bit of David Bowie. That's that's <laughs> what I pictured. Yeah, no doubt about it. But th- that again, this is one of these beautifully wonderful things things that's happening in my life right now. Jamie Rich, who writes it, the girl is one of my very best friends. I've worked with him. Wow. Since 96, 95. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but, um, and he's a big music scene too. And, and so to just be able to sit back and, and get to enjoy my creations through the eyes of another talent who also happens to be a great friend. Just too much fun for one person. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, that actually, um, my second part of the question is, when you're when you're drawing, when you're creating, and and you know, and and doing your craft, what do you like to listen to, or do you listen to music while you're while you're creating? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, newer music I'm listening to. Um, really love Arcade Fire. Nice. Um, MGMT is one of my favorite uh, bands. I. Um, um, Grizzly Bear. So yeah, the, I I listen to a lot of music. I I ride my bike as often as I can. I, uh, here in Eugene, there are bike paths that run alongside the river, which runs like a major artery through the town. And and so I can ride my bike and get anywhere I want to go. And oftentimes, not, rarely have to deal with a car. You know, it's not like bike lanes that share a road. These are specific bike lanes that are, go through the trees and stuff along the river. So it's very, right. so, so I'm, I can kind of go into this other place in my head and I always have my headphones in and, um, that m- most of my most inspired moments come from when I'm just, you know, in that place or, or in the shower, <laughs> very typical, but cliche, but still I, uh, yeah, it's, Music is, has always been a huge influence. Um, a lot of my stories are song titles. Yeah, and, I've noticed. Uh, yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah, music is, is huge. And also, it, it really, almost everything that I'm passionate about beyond family and friends is the, the three very specific mediums. Right. Film, music, and comic books. Um, so, and, uh, the, the kids have all kind of fallen into that too. I mean, I've grown my own partridge family. My, my kids <laughs> are in my band. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. The, the gear is my, me and my kids. It, uh, and they, it's been that way since they were little kids. So, uh, one quick thing before I let you go, have you ever heard of a band called Caribou? Caribou. Um, Dan Snaith. And anyway, if you don't have it, I will find a way to send it to you. You need to hear it. Okay. <laughs> uh, while we're doing music question, I understand you had a uh, an odd signing party for Fantastic Four, a kari- uh, for FFR, the karaoke signing party. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. in those situations, what's your sort of default karaoke song or persona? Oh, whew. Um, 
always try to do songs that I, I haven't done before, kind of get out of that comfort zone. Um, and it's all, I mean, when, when the gear plays, we, for the longest time, we never did covers at all. And then this last year we brought in about five cover songs and, um, those also would, would kind of describe what the kind of music I'd look for in a, uh, karaoke song like, uh, Radiohead, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows is one of our covers, so that's oh. one of the trippiest Beatles songs yeah. that they ever did, with a, one of the greatest drum beats of all time. Um, uh, Lucifer Sam, uh, Sid Barrett, uh, Pink yes. Floyd song. Um, so like the at this particular uh, signing, I did Sheep, which is a really weird Pink Floyd song. <laughs> and uh, I thought it would make people... It run for the exits, but <laughs> oh man, I have a feeling that he and I are going to become music buddies. I got, uh, I got, I got, some, I got some links to my Dropbox account that I'm going to hook you up with uh, tomorrow after the show. Um, oh, you're speaking. More... I look for the weird, Sorry. obscure stuff. Yeah, I am. I am very, or very, really very corny, really corny kind of uh, classic stuff like uh, "I Am I Said," which is a really yeah strange Neil Diamond song. Very. <laughs> very existential awesome yeah i got i got some stuff that i i think that you might really enjoy i'll uh i'll shoot you a message or something <laughs> um you mentioned before about you know ff being uh one of the bigger commits you ever done to a big company and but what about your um you, you did two issues one-off issues this year daredevil 17 and wolverine and the x-men 17 what is it like to do those kind of guest spots uh it, again this this is all part of it, all leading up to this uh, they, um, when uh, Matt and I talked about Matt Fraction and I talked about doing something um, it's been a while that we, we it, it, and it's it's kind of like that you uh, you become your best friends are the, are the other the people that you see in the business you know it's kind of a isolated way of working you know most of us are alone when we're doing our job you know it's not like we take a copy you know some people share studios and i i envy that at times but um so it, a lot of my friends um like gerard Wade, for instance is somebody that we keep talking about doing something together well in this case with with fraction um and uh axel lanza who uh, i've been talking about doing some he was um our editor on exports and ecstatics and that was a, a great experience, and we've always Axel talked about, uh, you know, we should do something like that again, or even, you know, bring that back. And so they both kind of approached me at the same time with this um, this new launch, and um, so it was, and and it was exactly like with X Force. Axel was almost embarrassed to ask me if I would be interested, and when. And in both cases, uh, it was like, are you kidding? That's exactly what I would love to do. Mm -hmm. Like in the case of X-Force, mm -hmm. um, working with Peter Milligan, who was already on board, and creating our, our own Marvel mutants. So it's like, yes, <laughs> yeah. And then in this case, uh, he was like, okay, it's like, uh, okay, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready. And also, we like days, if not weeks before, he said, I'll tell you later. And so he dangled it in front of me what he was hoping I'd be <laughs> willing to do. Cool. And then finally, when he told me it's here it comes, I'm like, yeah, okay, Ant Man. I was like, 
<laughs> so and and it uh, it it involves some other details too, which are possibly way in the future, involving where we're going with FF. That I hope we get there because this is just crazy cool, and I'm promised not to say anything. But um, and then Medusa, and it was just yes, 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 and so. Uh, but it w- there was a very specific schedule involved, and um, we were finishing. Chris Roberson and I were finishing *I Zombie*, and so um, I just I told Axel, "Well, you know, I've got I could probably fill in two or three projects in here," uh, and so I uh, uh, hooked up with Stephen Wacker, the editor on *Daredevil*, and uh, which is, by the way, probably my favorite series today. I, I love what Mark Waite's been doing with Daredevil and, and all of the artists uh, on there, you know, Marcos and, and uh, I, I mean, please, I mean, it, it's, it's <laughs> Paulo Rivera and, mm-hmm. and now Chris Somney. Um, so it, it's been a book that I really love looking at and, and reading. And, and um, yeah, so Steve, was, it actually, that was really strange because he actually – uh, I just wrote a fan letter to Steve, and he published it in the comic book. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there was this, there was kind of this uh, campaign to get me to do Daredevil, and it just timed up perfectly that that's where I, I had. It was one of the free months that I had to do something, and um, and then I met. Uh, it, well, anyway, it's, it, it, and it was similar with with uh, Wolverine and the X Men, you know, and. Um, <laughs> So it, it timed out perfectly, and uh, with Wolverine and the X-Men, that was very satisfying, because, again, a, a series I've, I've really been enjoying, and, and um, yeah, so, and, oh, and it was like, hey, look, uh, let's, uh, it's a chance to do dupe, you know, you get yeah. to, we're going to have this very dupe-centric issue, and, and you know, ta-da. That <laughs> issue was so amazing. There it was. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you, so... Um, lately, comics Great. have started to become more of a widely um, acceptable form of literature. Why do you think they're being so embraced right now? I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt like that was happening when I was reintroduced to them in the, in the mid-'80s, and I would kind of attribute the independent spirit that kind of kicked in. I, I think that... Uh, the success of independent books, everything from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to, you know, and now with The Walking Dead, it, it but it, it just felt like there was more of a desire to trust the the artists, the creators, the writers, and that's why stuff like Watchmen happened and Dark Knight Returns with Frank Miller and. Um, so that's really where I trace it from. Um, uh, so I think if that's happening even more so now, you could definitely, you know, trace the roots back to the, you know, mid to late '80s, because that's when you started seeing articles in Rolling Stone magazine about um, how sophisticated comic books have become, and and um, so it's grown from that and the success, uh, the, the success of. Other uh, publishers, I think, have um, lit a fire under you know Marvel and DC, and and so you just see everybody upping their game, and um, 
and those of us who hung in there and are in the biz, we're we're reaping the rewards. You know, it's and I mean not just financially but creatively, uh, which honestly is most important to me. To to that's why you do it. I mean, that's why you're a, a kid lying on the floor, you know, with your crayons. You have this need to create something, and um, and now it just feels like there's that license that that uh, that freedom to just run with it and and uh you know the cream rises and and there's so many uh quality people working now that it's almost impossible I and mean, i remember going to the comic shop and and again i don't know anybody that loves comic books more than me but there are a lot of weeks that I, I left the comic shop empty-handed because there was just nothing that lit me up. And now it's like, wow. I mean, you really got to decide, you know, even if you have a pile of money, are you going to be able to haul all the books out of the store? Because <laughs> there's a lot of great stuff happening. And and, uh, and even if you do bring them all home, what? you have the time to read them all. Yeah. So it really is a wonderful time. For comic books, it's a new golden age, and I, I'm just happy to be around to see it. Oh, um, Stephanie, we have a lot of listener questions. Do you want to hit up uh, a couple of those? Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, one of our listeners, Hugh, he wanted to know what do you feel are the core values that should be applied to the FF book? Core values. Well, at the heart of the Fantastic Four and FF, and why I think it's always been my all-time favorite comic book is family. That's the most important thing to me. Um, the most important quality in any human being is uh, loyalty. Um, you know, and uh, so and, and that's what you find in the best team books. You know, the the sense of of that you can count on somebody, and that's what loyalty and family and it is about. So that uh, that personally, that's how I feel. I I can guess that. That Matt feels the same way. Okay. Um, and uh, a question about how you draw from Nicholas Ellis. He wants to know if you have any tips for drawing backgrounds for panels without having people have a kind of floating effect. Uh, I guess. What? That. <laughs> I guess uh, I think he's trying to ask um, how you draw panels and or like the backgrounds and stuff on panels to kind of. Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to explain what he's saying here, but um. I'm not sure. As far as backgrounds, uh, this there's this is where I, as far as storytelling goes, I think this is where a lot of uh, comic books succeed or fail. You need uh, to establish a sense of place, and um, so uh, that doesn't mean you have to draw detailed background in every single panel, but you always, the reader, you always have to be concerned about the reader knowing exactly where you are. And so you almost have to design uh, a location. It's almost like a, a film set in your head where you know that this door goes to there and that leads out to there. And you, re you have to almost c completely create this, this real place in your head so that you know when this character has to go from point A to point B, that the reader knows that's what you're doing. And um, 
a lot of, I mean, it, it's a real important thing to, to, to keep that sense of place. A, a lot of books, you don't know where you are and, and you can get lost in the storytelling that way. So once you've established the location, then you can have your characters do pretty much anything, whether they're floating or flying or tripping or fighting or, you know, um, you, uh, one thing that I've kind of gone overboard with this actually, um, and, and Fraction hasn't helped either. He's been throwing these real, like he'll say thousands of people in Times Square. And I go, okay, great. It took you two seconds to write that down. Now I have to draw it. But, um, there's like this, uh, um, I, it, it's something that I keep going back to. I kind of do these animate, animated sequences where you'll see a character move throughout a, a single panel. Like in the Daredevil issue, you see Daredevil falling down the stairwell. And um, I've been doing that a lot lately. So, And it's something I'm compelled to do just because I love seeing the figure. And I've done it. I've done something. Like the very first issue of Madman, um, I drew these uh, animated uh, sequences, these flip action sequences. You, you would flip the corners and you'd see Madman dancing and dodging bullets down <laughs> in the corner. And 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 I, I am a big fan of animation, old school animation, and uh, um, you know the, the cell, cells and painted backgrounds. And so I, I've played with that kind of stuff in my in my comics and and. So it's, it's something that I kind of do for my own little kick, just to how can I, if this character is going to go from here to here, what would his or her body do from between, you know, these two points? And, and it's it's just kind of fun for me to do that. But um, for the sake of deadlines, I should probably cool it. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, any, any, oh, Bob, no, sorry, Bob wants to go. Oh, sure. Um Speaking of that, with FF, I love the pages of uh, the kids introducing themselves to Scott, you know, the whole circular oh, thing. And it's the subtle things in it. You're talking about the motion, you know, Dragon Man just turning his head to glower at Bentley. You can actually feel his, <laughs> feel his head moving between the panels. Now, how much of that is from Matt? How much from your pencil? You know, how Marvel method is your working arrangement on this book with him? Oh, I, I'll tell you, friend, I, and I told I every time I have the opportunity to express this, I will. I despise the Marvel method. Okay. I, um, I uh, if, I, I think if, if I'm going to work the Marvel method, I'll just, I'll script it myself. Gotcha. I, um, I really love collaborations and I want to know exactly what, if I'm, so if I'm working with another writer and I, I got spoiled um, too, I got to say, I mean, one of the first, Guys, whoever offered me a job was Neil Gaiman, and and uh, um, his scripts are like letters. At least this <laughs> first one I, that I got from him, and um, it, it's um, he's personally describing the story to me in the script. And so, Michael, I'd like you know I I'm kind of thinking of this. Have you ever seen this film? Well, you know that <laughs> scene in this film where it does this, and I mean that's what a script reads like. And um, Matt's. Uh, like that very much too, where he'll, I mean, there's, there's stuff in his script that I wish could be put into captions on the page. You know, I mean, it's just really rich, beautiful stuff. And, um, so I, I feel blessed 
that you know I get to read these scripts and and have this connection this way. If somebody writes a script that says, "Okay, these two characters are going to hook up and they're going to fight for four or five pages," um, I'll I'll tell you what they say when you're done drawing it. Yeah, that that, mm-hmm. that I I just don't see how that flies. Now, um, in the case of Stanley and Jack Kirby, it probably worked, but it's something that. Um, Again, I, I'd rather just do everything myself. I don't feel like I, I would have any real connection with the with the writer that way. Somebody could prove me wrong in the future. Somebody might write me, or you know, convert me to the Marvel method. But I just don't see how the way my brain works how that would be an enjoyable collaboration. Well, we have to make sure. When so, they... in other words, the the scripts are very detailed, and I mean, I'll throw stuff in there to surprise Matt and and Tom Brevert and, and Lauren and Jacob, you know, the editors and Axel. I, I'm I, the people who I know have read the script, and and uh, I, I stay very faithful to the script. But if there's something that I can, um, you know, throw in there to, you know, tweak it or surprise it. For instance, in the in the first issue, the um, uh, fraction has Medusa. You know, she, she and Sue Storm are dangling, uh, you know, just kind of uh, on the edge of the city, overlooking mm-hmm. Manhattan, and and. Uh, um, um, Fraction has Medusa talking about her relationship with the Black Bolt. You know, it's this complicated relationship, but she obviously loves him deeply. And um, so I thought, well, I'll I'll draw a ghostly Black Bolt in the background and have her hair form a little heart around him. So that would be an example of where I'm staying true to his script, but then I throw something in there that, uh, that I can have a little fun with, and hopefully um, they'll and see what I did with it. Oh, cool. Excellent. All right, awesome. I mean, we're getting close to the end here. Um, time for two more questions. Bob, you have another question you want to ask? Sure. Really quickly, uh, way off topic, I guess. How did that Ms. Magazine Wonder Woman anniversary come to you? That was just, what a great throwback to the original issue of that. I, I don't know if it's the weirdest thing. I mean, I, I well, I, I kind of know how that happened because um, I had done this Wonder Woman um, campaign for MAC Cosmetics. And, oh, but how I got that job, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd only ever drawn Wonder Woman uh, once or twice, like in my DC solo issue with like every other DC character right. I threw in, in that solo issue. And then um, uh, Wonder Girl ended up on the cover. But I got a phone call from somebody at DC who asked me if I'd be willing to you know, do this makeup campaign for Mac Cosmetics. I'd never even heard of Mac Cosmetics before, but but it was a, a chance to do, you know, a classic Wonder Woman and get paid a ridiculous amount of money and um so wow. And so I did it and then um when it came out I'm getting photographs of stores from all over the world and you know people were recognizing it as, you know, my work in Laura's colors and and uh so that was that was really exciting. And so then uh, uh, two weeks ago, somebody, again from D.C., said, hey, um, would you be interested in drawing this 40th anniversary of Miss Magazine? And I'm like, sure. I mean, <laughs> because I, I, and so then I kind of, I felt like I kind of established myself as, as a Wonder Woman artist, but at least commercially. And, um, and for it to be, um, you know, the 40th anniversary and also 
kind of tie into the the recent uh, presidential campaign. That that so it was it was fun. I we we saw the art on the news and stuff. So you, you always get a kick out of stuff like that. You're you know you never you're, you're never too jaded to <laughs> like seeing your stuff on <laughs> TV or podcasts. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and finally, I just want to know, um, we talked a lot about your art. Um, are, is there going to be more writing for you in, in the future, either on either more Madman or anything else? Oh, always. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, at this point, I, I'm just trying to get a, an annual Madman special out a year. And uh, with with Jamie and Mike Norton and everybody working on It Girl, I, I, I can kind of uh, um, let that kind of, be taken care of elsewhere for now, but yeah, it, I I have tons, and I I actually have this huge outline of things that I want Frank Einstein and friends to get around to, and uh, um, but I really love the collaborations, and it's um, what I'm really wanting to do now and for quite a while. I, cause again, I'm having so much fun with it, but I, this gives me the opportunity to concentrate strictly on improving my artwork and my storytelling. And um, so when you've got a really great writer, you know, throwing these scripts at you, um, I don't have to worry about that part of the process. I just have to worry about the, the tail end. And, and it, so what I like to think every time I've done these um, projects with you know other people, when I do get back to my stuff, I, I like to think it's that much better for it. Um, one of the biggest leaps I think I ever took artistically was after you know working on Ecstatics and I came back to um, Madman with the Madman Atomic comic series and uh, I. For, for my own stuff that I've written and drawn entirely myself, that uh, was one of the most joyful periods because of the stuff that had built up inside me and was then, I was able to go into this very personal stuff and, and put in that series. And some of the best stuff I've ever done, I think, is in there. I mean, story-wise, script-wise, and art-wise. Um, there, there's one issue where I challenged myself to have every panel look like it was drawn by uh, a different artist, like, and kind of have this history mm -hmm. of comic art and my favorite artists. I mean, even children's authors and um, Charles Schultz. And um, so th that was a lot of fun. And then there was also an issue where um, it, it's essentially one gigantic panel. It's like a, a long horizontal action sequence and told in one panel and you just see the same characters kind of moving across this one giant continuous background um, so um, I like to so if I'm not you know um, I don't know it, it, my, my brain kind of goes off like it started to right there <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it really is um, nice to kind of play, you know, in my own sandbox with my own toys. But it's way more fun to share and and uh, 
and kind of interact with somebody creatively and find places to go that you wouldn't have found on your own. And that's exactly what's happening right now with FF. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much, uh, uh, for joining us. I mean, you can at, uh, all red MD, uh, on Twitter. Uh, you're very active and you reach with a lot of people and, uh, it's great. And FF is on the shelves right now. Um, Michael, thank you so much for being part of talking comics. Oh, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Of course. You're very kind.